Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for Stock Market Podcast Globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to the Wealth Within website and click on the News and Media tab. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillan, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. In today's podcast, I really wanted to get into a couple of those myths about exchange-traded funds because I'm increasingly finding so many people are starting to fall in love or are falling in love or have fallen in love with exchange-traded funds and they're doing so for... I won't say the wrong reasons, but they're not. They're believing a lot of the myths out there. And and up front, pure and simple, an exchange-traded fund is a managed fund just with a different label on it. And the the exchange-traded funds really have come to the fore, especially the last two, three years, etc., because after the GFC, managed funds were on the nose big time, and, and there was a lot, a lot of retirees, a lot of people about to retire. They got absolutely slammed with the GFC with their buy-and-hold attitude in managed funds, and advisors were kept them in the managed funds even though the market was falling, and they didn't perform very, very well, um, uh, as you can appreciate. And I met people that lost not just hundreds of thousands of dollars. Some people lost millions of dollars because... Uh, they were locked into these managed funds, uh, etc. So, uh, and the managed and the managed fund industry really got decimated because a lot of people were setting up self-managed super funds and managing shares themselves directly, going into direct investment. So the amount of money going into managed funds was, you know, nowhere near as great as what it, what it was, and yet the uh, managed fund providers still had. You know, their staff buildings, all the things that they had to do. So um, basically, you know, exchange-traded funds then were born. We'll think, well, let's give people the perception they've got far more control by giving them an exchange-traded fund or a managed fund that can be bought and sold through the stock exchange. Um, so that gives the people perception. So when you're investing in a managed, in a, an exchange-traded fund, you can buy and sell an exchange traded fund, just like it could BHP or Rio or any other stock. And so that gives the, the buyer or, or the person on the buyer of the exchange traded fund the perception that they can buy and sell at any time. And they can, very, very much so, but people don't do that generally. Um, most people are buy and hold, um, and the vast majority of people are buy and hold. But the but the, the market for exchange traded fund has, funds has, or ETFs has, seriously exploded especially over the last few years and investors generally say to me i want diversification um, and the thing is you don't get diversification by buying an exchange traded funds that's a huge huge myth you know buying uh, um, a, an etf on the um, top 200 stocks in australia or buying etf on the all ordinaries index in australia or uh, those that's not giving you diversification. That's just a huge myth. You're just buying one one fund, 
that invests in the marketplace, you might as well just buy the top 10 stocks on the Australian market. You'll get better diversification. But more importantly, you'll actually get better returns. Um, there's Over the last 10 years, if you just bought the whole bought and hold the top 10 stocks on the Australian market, you would have outperformed any of those index ETFs and you don't get that diversification. The law of diversification when you're buying an index uh, or index ETFs, it just breaks all the laws in my book in terms of diversification. You know, you're way over diversified and you're paying for that within the fund and a lot of people don't understand. They think, oh, buying an ETF I don't have fees. The fees are all wrapped up within the fund because somebody's managing that fund. They need to get paid. So the fund manager's actually got all the fees wrapped up inside the funds, even though you've bought and sold them, or you can buy and sell them on the ASX and there's only brokerage to you. All the fees that they charge are all within that ETF, and they're the things you need to know. They don't People don't manage things for free. So the, the myth that they're free is not necessarily all... You're not paying those fund management fees, administration fees, you know, all those sorts of things. There's a whole range of things within ETFs that are still subject because remember they're still a managed fund, exchange traded fund. So they've still got all the fees that are, that are actually there. But you really do need to consider your risk and, and a lot of people think an ETF is much less risky than other asset classes and they're not. And that's the point is... When the market's rising, they will rise. When the market's falling, they will fall, and just the same as anything else. Now, if you've got an index type of ETF, if the index is rising, the ETF is rising. If the index is falling, the ETF is falling. That's still risk. If, um, but if you have individual stocks, if they're rising or falling, the same things happen. So there's no less risk in an ETF than there is in any individual share. Now, in theory... Because an ETF, or especially an index ETF, has a spread of shares, and most ETFs, uh, or pretty much all ETFs, will have a spread of investments within them. The thinking is that it diversifies that volatility, meaning they're not going to be as volatile as an individual share. And that's that's probably a good way to look at it in terms of, yeah, that's more that is quite correct. You probably won't get as much volatility out of an ETF as you might out of. Uh, an individual stock, but it doesn't mean it's less risk. And to me, like anything, when you're investing in, in anything, you do need to have protected downside risk. But uh, I don't consider ETFs any less risky than buying a BHP or a bank or anything else, just because you know they have this broad um, diversification of specifically what they invest in, whether they're stocks or, or bonds or whatever else that they invest in. I don't think they're any less risky or more risky than a stock itself. Um, really, if you use them correctly, you can use them in your portfolio. I'm not saying don't use them, but very much understand it. And you always, to me, you're going to get better returns by managing the stocks directly yourself. Now, uh, a lot of people aren't aware of, as I said, the risks and the costs of you know having that portfolio within an ETF or having an ETF which is a portfolio of investments um, in your portfolio in terms of your overall portfolio. But uh, there's uh, quite a few risks. Now, the number one is market risk, and I talked a bit about that just a second ago where if the market is rising or falling, the ETF is rising and falling. So because it's a market, or generally most people are getting sort of indexed type of ETFs, as I said, like the top 200 stocks on the marketplace or the top 100. If that if that index is rising and falling, the ETF is rising and falling. So you have market risk. Now, market risk is inherent in every single investment you do. So, and it can't be diversified, as I talk about in my book, Accelerate Your Wealth. 
You just can't diversify it. The other one is trading is sort of a risk of that uh, um, of owning the ETFs is terms of you if you've um, uh, buying and selling those. If you're buying and selling them at the wrong time, you just like any share, you're going to get the same issues in with an ETF. Sorry, I've got my bits of paper, my things moving around here. Um, but a lot of people talk about the costs within ETFs. They don't. Sorry, they don't talk about the costs within ETFs. But you still got taxation issues within it. When they're buying and selling on that fund, they're making profit, so therefore they're subject to tax just like anybody else. There's also buying and selling fees, such as your brokerage fees. There's also all sorts of other different fees within the ETF administration fees, and they all come out of that. So you're going to get what I would call a tracking what's known as tracking errors, another risk. If they say they're managing a, an ETF that uh, mirrors the All Orders Index or mirrors the top 200 or 100 stocks on, on the marketplace, most of the time they're not going to achieve that. They're not going to really achieve whatever the marketplace or the All Orders Index or the top 200 do. They might get close to it, but that difference is their fees. And so you might find that they have, there's a tracking error one or two, up to 1% or 2% because... To get over to to match the index, they've actually got to overperform the index, so that when they take their fees out, they're back to the index. So that's really it's 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 naive to think that they don't charge fees, and they do. So you will get this tracking error on ETFs, and and it's quite common to see them, but not necessarily they're beating the actual underlying. They don't always buy all the stocks. For example, if uh, if you bought an ETF. On the top 100 shares in the marketplace, they may not buy the 100 shares, they may only buy 50 shares, and the other 50 they just take on an exposure through some sort of other instrument that will help them track the index. So uh, another one is the, the methodology or what methodology they might use in the ETFs because sometimes they're an index ETF which they buy the whole index, or in theory buy the whole index like the top 100 stocks, but other ones could be Let's, for example, say an ETF buying technology stocks. So another one that I, I mentioned, sorry, I, was, I brought to attention for me um, on our Wealth Within Live YouTube show, that which we do every Tuesday night um, on YouTube between 7 and 8. I, one of the, the uh, people on it said, uh, have you heard of um, HACK, um, H-A-C-K, an ETF called HACK? And uh, this is an ETF that looks at um, cyber security stocks in the US. So it has a parcel of cyber security stocks in the US. Now that's an area I don't understand, cyber security, and I don't pretend I, I do know that. And that's probably a good reason to look at an ETF like that if you want exposure to an area, maybe artificial intelligence or something that is new, that's unique, and there could be a lot of companies that are small but exciting and they're high risk so you might buy an ETF in that sort of area because um, they can get a spread of stocks to reduce the risk but in an area that is or could be nice growth area and it could be you know um, uh, medical research or um, you know some sort of area that's a little bit obscure but to, to do the research properly on the stocks within that might be a bit difficult. So leaving up to the professionals to do that and get a spread of shares within an ETF is quite a nice way to use an ETF. But that methodology type of risk can also be its downfall as well. So it's another type of risk. There's also a counterparty risk where you've, you're, because a lot of people don't understand, even though you're buying and selling an ETF on the exchange, the other, the other party, you've got a counterparty who's managing that. So whoever the ETF provider is, is the counterparty. If they go belly up, 
um, then where's the ETF? And so that's what the, you've got to look at is there's other risks in that. Just because it's there doesn't mean it's any more or less risky than anything else because you do have that counterparty risk. Now, also, the, there's closure. When talking about that is closures, the ETFs close all the time. You know, whereas, you know, companies get taken over, you know, you get stock splits, all sorts of other corporate actions where ETFs get closed down all of the time. They get opened up all the time and they get closed down. So there's also that kind of risk that you might have a, a commodity ETF or you might have an index ETF or a currency type of ETF or one like hack, like I mentioned, on a specific sector, um, which is cyber security. But they might decide they're going to close it down maybe because they're not making enough money out of it and simply they just close it down. Uh, and that's how they do that. But uh, there's also a tax risk within that. And now whilst you will buy an ETF at a certain price and possibly sell it later on for a higher price, and therefore you would be paid tax on that yourself. But there's tax within the ETF as well. As I said before, if they're making money, uh, the ETF, the fund manager is making money. They're buying and selling and they're taking profits on stocks um, that they have within the ETF or whatever the, uh, the underlying or the investments, are they making profits on that? So there's a whole range of things with ETFs that a lot of people don't understand. They just think it's keep it really, really simple. I can just buy and sell this thing on the marketplace and let's do that. And, and I'll continue to tell you or continue to espouse that if you're just buying index ETFs, or sector ETFs, then you can do far better yourself by directly owning the shares yourself, having good diversification and keeping your costs lower, and you'll get much better returns. If you're just buying an index ETFs, then you must just be in a normal managed fund rather than ETF, just because you can buy and sell it quicker because it's on the exchange doesn't mean it's necessarily better. You're just changing one form of managed fund for another one. You're still doing what you did before the GFC. And, and to me, really... Understand what you're investing in. Don't just naturally assume an ETF is lower risk or better for you than any other type of investment. So, um, but as I said, uh, for most people, if they're buying index ETFs, they're better off owning the top 10 shares on the Australian market and set and forget those because less fees, they'll make more money. It's simple as that. So, but that's it for me for this week's report. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. I look forward to chatting with you next week. You've been listening to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Kellum, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Take care. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to the Wealth Within website and click on the News and Media tab.